Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Church Public. I am so glad that you joined us today. We have a great show planned. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Again, family, friends, welcome. I'm so glad that you joined us today at Church Public. We are continuing on in investigating the interchange between church and culture, faith and the rest of the world, and how do we interact with that? How do we get involved? How do we become better informed with what is going on in this world around us? Because it's important. It's important for us to know. It's important for us to interact. We don't want to become just kind of some kind of weird culture club where we retreat into this religious experience and hide out there until whatever, the world ends. We want to be engaged in the culture. As Jesus said, we want to be in the world, but not of it. We want to participate with this world and help them to understand the truths that we know, the truths about God and Jesus and our lives and our hearts and how we interact with this world. And we, the church believers, followers of Jesus, are the ones that are called to do that. So we're going to explore some of that today. There is so much happening, Um, and before we get started, I really do thank you for listening to this. Subscribe, like, hit the notification if you can. You can check us out on social networks, Twitter, Instagram, at Church Public. Uh, There's also a Facebook page. If you want to send a message, you can DM a message there, and I would love to hear from you. I'd love to respond to you or any questions that you have. We want to continue to grow this, and your support really helps. You can also check us out at churchpublic.com. Again, so much is happening. Uh, Big news, probably the biggest news perhaps, is just that the the president got COVID over this last week. It does actually also look that he will be released from hospital today. So it didn't seem that serious, didn't seem that bad, but he did get it. But I think something striking happened as well that most may or may not have even been noticed in this fever-pitched crazy climate that we're living in right now. We, Americans, the United States, we are maybe terminally divided. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we can be united again. But if not, as the church, as the followers of Jesus, we have to be ready. We have to understand that what is coming is not going to be as free. It's not going to be as fun. It's not going to be as nice as society has been. We used to talk about polite society. A lot of that has been eroded. It's been washed away by this crazy tsunami of anger and hate that swept over the nation, and it's been exacerbated by this almost innumerable and insane events of this 2020. I know you know what I'm talking about. So what I noticed over this weekend, and especially in light of the president's diagnosis of COVID, was a lot of people um, wishing him harm. Here's a statement. If you say it and you don't understand the gravity of it, then maybe you've lost a little of your moral footing. I hope he dies. That's the statement. That statement at face value should bring shivers to your spine. You should not feel good about that in your soul, in your core, in your stomach. You should not feel good about saying, I hope he dies, about thinking, I hope he dies. The idea of wishing for another person's death, regardless of whom they are, whether or not you agree with them, should not even ever cross your mind, but Besides being against one of the Ten Commandments, you know, you should not murder. Jesus even clarifies more that if you even harbor anger towards a brother or sister, you're subject to judgment. It's as if you murdered them. But 
beyond that, this this general feeling of anger going around cities and throughout different groups in America, there apparently is a large group of people who wanted the president of the United States of America to die. They posted about this all over social media when they heard about the diagnosis. And then uh, Saturday Night Live host uh, this weekend joked, quote, President Trump is in the hospital for COVID and my heart goes out to COVID. End quote. In other words, I hope he's not with us anymore. I mean, like, what, what's the extension of this? To, to hope that the president elected for your country dies is a terrible, terrible thought. Now, I realize that some of these people think that he is the enemy of the people. Some, some people think that he is the enemy, but, and, and he's been compared to literally Hitler. Um, and I'm not going to get into the things that have been done and haven't been done, but I'm just going to say this line of thinking, these thoughts for any human to die is not a good moral place to be as a society. And the fact that that becomes a joke on, I guess, a mainstream comedy show is a terrifying look into the hearts of some portion of America. Now, I said last week that I think that portion of America has in some sense lost the culture because the jokes aren't funny and they used to at some point be funny. We used to be able to criticize culture and it be funny because there were underlying truths that we all agreed with. The underlying truth, so it is called, that some person should die because of their belief, uh, because you don't like them, is not a good place to be as a moral truth. That can't be the foundation of your moral truth. If that is the foundation of your moral truth, then you have lost your moral footing. I understand anger. I understand frustration. I understand venting. But if your first thought is for your president, the elected president, to die from a disease, the problem might not be him. You might have something else going on in your heart that you're going to have to deal with and have to examine. There's a great parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 7 about plank eye. I've liked this parable for a lot of years and and talked about it many times. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show. So um, in Matthew 7, Jesus says, you are a hypocrite if you judge someone else before you examine yourself. He says, you can only see a tiny speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, but you don't even see the enormous plank in your own eye. Now, this is a parable that's been used a lot to say, don't be a judgy Christian. And, and really, that's usually the argument thrown back at us. You are a judgy Christian. I have personally heard that more times than I can count. But no, today, I'm extending this out to most of the people I see in America. This is not just a judging thing. This is a moral thing. I've spoken at length that how we have lost our morality as a country. And, and I believe that is so true. We have lost God, and therefore we have lost our morality because there's nothing to base morality on. And I continue to read article after article, point after point from the culture trying to say, this is our new morality. This is the new thing we're, we're basing our culture on. But in the end, there's no substance to it. So you just keep searching and searching and can't quite figure out where the bottom of morality is. When you take away things that are super clear, like loving one another, um, treating others as you want to be treated, loving God, 
when those are eroded and those are gone, and now you have to find something else to base your morality on, it's you're really hard pressed to do that. That's just a logical extension of of this truth or lack of truth. When you don't have anything to hold on to, you have to make something up. And usually what you've made up is not as good as, hey, don't try to or don't think about murdering someone. Uh, Don't think about killing someone else. That should be logical. It should be common sense. But we have lost that because we've lost this foundation of truth. We've lost what we used to lean on that gave us something beyond ourselves to base our morality on. So this sawdust and this plank guy, I mean, you probably have seen this, you may have even felt this, that um, b- because you have to agree, you have to agree with what the media is saying, you have to agree with what the institutions are saying, you have to agree with what the celebrities and what Hollywood is saying, and you have to agree with what the protesters are saying, and if you don't, you are judged, you are persecuted, maybe you are canceled. I just came across another story of a college coach who did not agree with BLM Incorporated and is now being removed from staff. You have to agree or you cannot exist in this society. It is this extension of plank eye. If you have one thing that is wrong about you or about your beliefs or about your statements, it doesn't matter how many things are wrong with someone else's statements. You are canceled. You are removed. You cannot be part of the culture. You cannot be part of the society. And it is a true extension of this parable that Jesus saw in our hearts and knows we are like this. And I'm not saying we should be judgy. I'm saying you need to know that humans are. We will judge. And especially in the situation where we have lost God, we have lost our morality, then you have to come up with a set of rules, and those rules are then enforced by the loudest, strongest person uh, in the room, in the city, in the government, etc. Um, we may have a speck. We may even need to deal with the speck in our eye, but there's a lot of people out there with blinders on that are willing to condemn you simply for disagreeing. And if you think you're sitting back, and if you think you're going to be immune from this, if you think you've signaled a few things and they're going to skip over you, I'm telling you it's, it's not going to be that way. You can look at this couple from St. Louis that were not conservatives, and their house was about to be, uh, who knows, uh, destroyed, or, or, or they were getting death threats from the mob in front of them, so they just held their firearms to hold off their house, and they were condemned for this, for protecting their place. Um, it doesn't matter which side you're on. If the mob comes for you, they'll come for you. And, and again, I don't want to get super historical, but you see that in communist Russia, you see it in communist China, you see people informing on one another. If you disagree with the party, then they will come for you uh, on anything, right? Um, this is this is a, a disturbing conversation as we talk about the church, as we talk about the mainstream culture. Clearly, the mainstream culture does not like the church. They do not like religion. I talked about a little bit of the loss of biblical values in the last episode. You can go back and listen to that. But I read this from a writer in the Atlantic publication. They said, quote, Public life is not an exchange of ideas. It is a conflict of groups engaged in vicious death struggle, end quote. So, in other words, public life is not talking. It is not 
dialogue. It is not an exchange of ideas. It is groups in conflict, apparently, according to this writer, to the death. Now, that may sound crazy and it may sound extreme, but I think what I'm seeing and and what you might be seeing is this is the direction we're going. It's not about a dialogue. It's not about a conversation. It is literally about a battle. It is violence. You're seeing the violence in cities around America currently, and the violence is continuing. It does not. It is not slowing down. The anger is not slowing down. Um, and, and these are not my words. This is this is people quoting, and I, and I've I've read other sentiments that are similar. Um, we'll talk in a moment about. Uh, the Supreme Court justice, and and again to to reiterate on that, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, and we mourn her and are sorry for her loss, but there were many people calling for burning down of uh, whatever the the systems and institutions that this country upholds, burn the whole thing down. These, the, the, the call is not for dialogue. The call is not for conversation. We are a divided nation. We are not united. E pluribus unum, the phrase that's on all of your money, means from the many, one. In other words, together we are united. And currently we are not. We are not united. We are broken. I am not sure what the future holds. This ideological, this theological divide is really big. There's a large group that believes America needs to be torn down, and with it, Christianity, nice behavior, even whiteness has to go as well. Amy Coney Barrett continues to be vilified because she is, well, religious. She is the nominee for the Supreme Court, again, after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and ostensibly, she's the most qualified and uncontroversial figure for the court I can even imagine, and she's a woman. You would think that those purporting the empowerment of women would celebrate a wife, mother of seven, and Supreme Court justice nominee. But we cannot excuse the fact that she believes in God, and not just some God, the God of the Bible, and not just the God of the Bible, but Jesus, and she supports the family structure, which has literally propagated humanity for all of history. No, apparently we cannot support a person like that because the system must be torn down. It is the system that is holding us back. We are in the throes of a country really dividing, and the church is in the middle of this. We do have an opportunity to step in and bring hope. You have the chance to speak love and truth with grace to your neighbors and friends and family. And I don't know if we can save the country. I really don't know. By all accounts, with any outcome of this election, at this point, things are going to change. Either Trump will win and half the country will dispute it, or Biden will win and half the country will dispute it. And there will be a large percentage of people after November that are not happy with this country. Many people, and a lot of celebrities, have threatened to leave America, but I doubt they will. Like gluttons for punishment or whiny children, perhaps, when they don't get what they want, they'll just continue to whine and complain. But we've reached this time where some have gone beyond whining and complaining. We've seen months and months and months of riots in the streets and cities across America, and half of the country is upset they didn't get their way. What is going to be the outcome? I don't know. I know that we need to pray as a church. I know we need to pray harder than we've ever prayed before. We need a miracle the likes of which we rarely get to see. But maybe there is a glimmer of hope here. I don't know for America. I'm not sure what can save it. But for the church, I believe it's going to look different in the near future. And I can say that I have seen such despair and hopelessness that the opportunity here is with these disgruntles, these disparaged groups, they've looked to politicians, officials, group organizers, experts to create justice 
And by and large, those attempts have failed, and they will always fail. There's nothing on this earth that can heal the brokenness. There is no one on this planet that can save you from injustice. The only thing that can save you is Jesus. We have that message. We have that truth. We have that hope. We can share it. We can spread it. I'll tell you one more quick story. Shortly after Jesus walked on this earth and died for us and was resurrected, those that followed him began to multiply at an exponential rate. Churches popped up around the Mediterranean and beyond. Thousands and thousands of followers of Jesus became uh, alive in Christ and began sharing the word. And the Romans didn't like it. The Romans persecuted Christians in terrible ways, terrible ways. The Colosseum in Rome was used to torture and kill Christians for sport. However, if you go to the Colosseum today, in the emperor's entrance, do you know what is there? A cross. A cross sits where the emperor used to sit and judge whether a Christian lived or died. God is bigger than this. He is not surprised by this. He is still control of this world. You are still the light of the world. God says that you are the light of the world and you're supposed to share the light. Don't hide your light. Jesus says, are you going to put it under a jar, under, under, uh, it's, it's a bushel. I, I learned it as, as a bushel. But anyway, are you going to put your light under this bushel, under this basket and not let anybody see it? A lot of people right now are scared. They're scared to show their truth. They're scared to show who Jesus is to them. They're scared to stand up for what they believe in. They're scared to say that there is a truth. It's not your truth. It's not my truth. There is the truth, and time will bear that out, and it has over the centuries. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your saltiness. I mean, I, for one, I like salty food, and and bland food is just boring. But beyond that, We're called to be the salt. We're called to be the light. We're called to not hide this light. So what are you going to do? How how are you going to be the salt? How are you going to be the light wherever you are, with your neighbors, with your friends, even with your family, with those that disagree with you? There's going to be more and more people that disagree with you. And I know some Christians are kind of sitting back and waiting for the salt to blow over and for things to get back to normal. And I, I want to say in the gentlest way that I can, I don't think they're going to get back to normal. I don't think we're going to go back to a way where you can be a cultural Christian. You can be a believer that just goes to church on Sunday and then does whatever you want the rest of the week and you don't really have to read the Bible and you don't really have to pray and you don't really have to seek after God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. You can just kind of phone it in. I don't think that's going to be the way anymore. I think it's going to have a cost. I think you're going to have to want to follow Jesus. And when you profess that, there are going to be consequences. There are going to be consequences that people in this culture don't like you. It may even get to a place where religious freedom is pushed back upon, and and we don't have as many freedoms as, as we thought. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we can save it. I hope the religious freedom that we have enjoyed for 200 plus years in America continues on and that we can worship in whatever way we want, whenever we want, wherever we want in this freedom. I don't know. I don't know if that's the track that we're on with all the division, with all the hate, with all the brokenness that we have, with the lack of God and the lack of morality in this world. I don't know what it's going to look like in the next few years. If a Republican wins 
and they keep all the laws and articles and the Bill of Rights that are on the books now, we, we may have a few more years. But even if history is anything to say about it, usually after four or eight years, the party switches and the opposite party takes it. So if we lose some of this religious freedom, what are you going to do? What are you willing to do? What cost are you willing to bear to follow Jesus? Again, I hope, and I don't think we're going to get to a place like the Colosseum with the Romans. I don't think we're there. I think we're a long way off from that. But think about places right now like Hong Kong. Hong Kong had religious freedom uh, for years and years and years. And right now, they don't. They are being persecuted at an alarming rate, and you, you, you're not allowed to be uh, a Christian, really, in Hong Kong anymore. You're not allowed to be a Christian in China anymore. And yeah, we're not there. That's a different situation. But what is it going to look like? And, and how are you going to handle that? And, and what are you willing to do? These are questions that you have to think about. These are questions that you're going to have to answer. And do you really believe in God enough to stand up, to be the light on the hill, as Jesus has called us, to be a light to the world in the middle of this darkness. Those are questions you're going to have to think about. Those are questions you're going to have to answer, probably sooner rather than later. So that's why I'm here. I really appreciate you listening to this, listening to Church Public. I do hope that you subscribe and and you set your notifications, that you come back and listen. We're going to continue talking about things that matter, things that matter to you, things that matter to this world, because I do believe Jesus has put you, the believer, the church, as his plan A for this world to change the world. We can be the light of the world. We can show the love to this world, and we can tell them that they their hope that has failed in the politicians, their hope that has failed in the experts, their hope that has failed in other leaders around this country, and the despair that comes with that loss of hope is misplaced. The hope that we really need to have is the hope in Jesus, the hope in the only one who can actually save you, that can actually give you a hope and a future. That is Jesus. So what are you going to do today? How are you going to share that love today? How are you going to share that hope today? I, I pray that you think about that and you find a way with your friends, your neighbors, your family, whomever God puts you in contact with, that you can share that hope with the world. Thanks again for listening. God bless and keep the faith. Thanks for listening, everybody. I really appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead and like and subscribe. Check us out on churchpublic.com. You can check us out on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Church Public. Look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Keep the faith.